going on, crew? There you go. I appreciate that. Some of you guys, that was gratuitous. That was a little bit forced. Some of you grew up in a church where it's like, hold on, they say stuff loud? It's like, yeah, welcome to DCC. It's in a warehouse. We're hot, you know. Got to do something fun. Hey, um, a couple of things before we get started. Uh, we're going we're gonna to, our, our somewhere in the Psalm series. Uh, my name is Ben Kemper, by the way. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here. Uh, if you're new, maybe the last few weeks I've been gone. Uh, one of the cool things that the summer allows me to do is to take a break and um, to allow some other people to speak. And we've get, you know, had some incredible communicators that came and spoke. Uh, the last few weeks in a row, in fact, throughout the summer, we're going to have different people. I'm going to be with you for the next uh, few weeks. Um, so first off, I just want to kind of give a, a thanks and a round of applause to everyone who's spoken so far this summer. You've done a wonderful job. Um, the second thing I want to do, and this is a little bit more of a serious note, I just want to say, man, it's Father's Day, and, and it's a wonderful day. It's my first uh, Father's Day as a, as a father, and, and it's a fun time. So far, you kind of wake up, and you don't have to do crap, pretty much, you know, you just get breakfast, lots of bacon happens today apparently, um, I've had a, a solid probably seven slices at this point, um, but one of, the, one of the things that's kind of inevitable on Father's Day is there's, there's a tremendous upside to it, you know, we celebrate our dads, we celebrate our fathers, you know, tremendously uh, foundational and, and transformative in our lives, but at the same time for many of us, man, we're going through Father's Day and it's not a fun day. Um, for many of us, we're going through Father's Day and, and, and you have good memories of your father, but maybe your dad's not here. Um, maybe for you, it's, you know, your second or third or your first Father's Day without your dad. Um, or maybe for you, you know, you had a father, but he's not the type of father that you really look forward to and want to celebrate. And, and the thought of your dad is just, it's not positive. It's not positive at all. Um, and so we just want you to know, man, wherever you are on Father's Day, especially if Father's Day doesn't ring incredibly positive emotions for you, we just want you to know as a church, as a leadership, um, we're with you. We are praying for you. We love you. We care for you. And we know that today might be the longest day of your year. But we just want you to know as a body, as a community, as a family, we're praying for you. And if there's anything that we can do, is there anything that I can do, any of the people who are leaders at our church can do, we would love to do whatever we can for you. If nothing else, then know that we're praying for you. But we just want you to know that we're here for you this Father's Day. Day, if this Father's Day isn't a positive thing for you. So uh, we're going to pray and get started, but I just want to kind of give a disclaimer because I know that as you, you know, some of you woke up this morning, you've been dreading today for the last couple weeks, and I just hope that as you're here, you know, it's an encouragement to you be loved on by a group of people who understand that we have and we serve and we love a perfect Heavenly Father who is always there and is always here, and He is the Father to the fatherless. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, in this Father's Day, it's nothing better than to come and celebrate you. There's nothing better than to come and celebrate you, Jesus, our Heavenly Father. Who came down to the earth, who lived an incredible life, who died a sacrificial death. Though none of us deserved it, as a loving Father does, sacrificed anyways, gave anyways, and gave his entire self. And so, God, I pray that as we're here together this morning, you would speak to each one of us. Regardless of where we are in our relationship with you, regardless of where we are in our thoughts about you, maybe the people who walked in this morning, not really sure if you exist, not really sure if Christianity is legit or not, on the fence about this whole religion thing, or for those who walked in this morning, and they maybe have been to church a thousand times before, and have been walking you steadily and strongly for a long, long time. God, wherever we are in our relationship with you, if you would please make today fresh and new to each one of us as your word always does. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going through summer in the Psalms like we talked about before. We're going to be, if you've got your Bible, you can open up. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 73 today. I want to give you a little bit of preface about what's going on. And, and, um, 
I've said this a couple times before when we talked, but one of the reasons I love the book of Psalms is, one, it's super easy to find. And we're about halfway through the book of Psalms, so it's really, really easy to find. You just crack your Bible right open in the middle, um, and, and you're probably going to find it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, and you want to take one, let me just give you a little insight to our world. Um, we think what's way more valuable than you hearing some guy on stage talk and say, this is what you ought to do, and this is how you ought to live, and this is how you ought to understand the Scripture. We think you know, that, that, that's not unimportant, but it pales in comparison to you taking the Word of God yourself and reading it for yourself on a daily basis. And so if you don't have a Bible, or maybe you have a translation of the Bible that makes it a little bit difficult to do that, we have just a whole stack of them. On the left side, you know, we're super Pinteresty, so, you know, they're kind of in like a little cool crate that's stained and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, what would be if we didn't design something off Pinterest? So, you know, you grab one of those on your way out. We'd love for you to read this, you know, maybe when, when you go home today and say, I don't know if I believe that guy, but let me just go read it for myself. That's a win for us. So anyways, we're in Psalm 73. One of the reasons I love the Psalms, one, again, it's easy to find. Number two is because pretty much it's, it's, it's a unanimously acceptable book. It's a unanimously acceptable set of literary ideas, regardless of where you are on, on, in your religion almost. People who don't believe in God, people who do believe in God, people who are on the fence about God, people who have been walking about God for a long time. Pretty much everyone, when you read the Psalms, they're just honestly, a lot of times, some good ideas. There's some good literature. There's some good reads. And here's why. Because it's a guy named David, for the most part. And when David speaks, or whoever the psalmist that's writing a particular psalm speaks, whenever the, the, the psalmist speaks, they speak and they say things that identify with the human condition. It's all stuff that you've thought before and that I've thought before, that you've gone through before and that I've gone through before. And probably none are more truer than today. In fact, today is kind of rooted in a question. And, and, and the question... It, it, it's, I think, a better question, honestly, than the question that we've asked. But if, if you're, you know, kind of a religious thinker or a deep thinker, or honestly, kind of just even a thinker, you've probably thought this question. And here's the question that, that you've probably thought before. Why do good things happen to bad people? We, you know, we've all asked that question. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And yeah, there's this idea of sin, you know, we get that, that, you know, there's going to be bad stuff that happens just because the result of sin. And on top of that, there's, you know, this kind of idea that God uses trials, tribulations, problems in our life to mold and to shape us into who he wants us to be. That he used these opportunities to stretch our faith, to grow our faith. That you can't expect your faith to grow if you never have to use it. In the same way, you can't expect your cardiovascular health to grow if you never do any cardio. You can't expect your strength to grow if you don't ever bro out and just bench press. You know, you're just going to have a little weak, girly chest. And like a, you know, but there are some girls who just, you know, anyways. Point is, if your face going to grow, you got to use it. And so I think there's a lot of reasonable explanations when you see how God interfaces with the broken world, why bad things happen to good people. But this morning, it's a better question, I think. And here's the question. Why do good things happen to bad people? Because bad things happen to good people, honestly, is explicable. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah, okay, if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to become someone, if I'm going to change, if I'm going to be the person that God's called me to be, all this kind of stuff, I get that half of the equation. That's only half of the equation. The other half of the equation is why in the world would bad things or would good things happen to bad people? And you've thought this before. You saw someone who just, I mean, they just did whatever they want. They said whatever they want. You know, we could all probably think of celebrities. I hate to be like the celebrity basher of like, you know, Kanye said this to, you know, T-Swift or, you know, whatever happened. We hate, I don't like to be that guy. So, you know, even though I did kind of name drop, but I don't, you know. Anyways, 
point is, is you can think of a ton of people in your mind. You can probably think of people that aren't even celebrities. People that you know. I mean, this guy is just a jerk. And the reason he's a jerk is because he comes from a lot of money. And no matter how much stuff he does wrong, his daddy just bails him out or her daddy just bails him out. And they just do whatever and whenever and they just throw more money at it. And here's the problem. The problem always gets fixed when they do it. And you're just sitting there maybe internally hoping that maybe one day it's going to catch up to him, one day it's going to catch up to him, one day it's going to catch up to him. And the days go by and the months go by and the years go by. And it doesn't. And the idea of bad things happen to good people, we can justify with a just God. But if you're being real honest, it's a little more difficult to justify a just God having sometimes not just good things happen to bad people. Sometimes great things happen to bad people. Right? Sometimes in business, the more dishonest you are, the more profitable you are. Sometimes in relationships, the less truth you tell, the more you're going to get along. Sometimes it seems like there's this inverse relationship with honesty or doing the right thing or being the right person and positive outcomes. Sometimes it seems like the more you fess up, the worse things happen. And the less you fess up, the better things work out. And what's cool is David saw this. And here's what's unbelievable about David's prayer life. You, you, you might not learn anything else the whole summer. David was so honest in his prayers. David was so, I mean, David didn't have, you know, when you and I pray, we have this filter. And it's, oh, Heavenly Father, God, please, of the Lord, of the Jesus, of the, you know, angel, of the, you know, whatever, Holy Spirit, God, please, mercy, you know, heaven. You know, you try to think of, like, all, like, the cool spiritual words that you've ever seen on a church billboard that you drove by. And so you're just kind of throwing those out. You're like, you know, like a verse, like, you know, you're throwing some verses out there, you know, God for so love the world, and God helps those who help themselves. I don't know if that's in there or not, but, you know, I just, I'm just throwing some verses out there, God. So here's my prayer, you know. <laughs> David, when he prayed, he just said, God, what? God, what? I mean, come on. God, I see this guy. I see this joker. And I know, okay, God, you're supposed to do right by everybody. But God, that's just not reality. That's just not reality. I mean, I see these people. I see these terrible people. And it seems like no matter how bad they are, they just don't have a trouble in the world. They just don't have a care in the world. And come on, God, God, God. Are you even paying attention? Do you even know what's going on? I mean, I'm trying to believe that you are an active, just, loving God who is inextricably interlinked with what happens in my everyday life. But sometimes when I look at my everyday life, I don't see how an everyday God could exist in it. Because some of the things that happen are just so unjust. And he just says it. He doesn't sugarfoot around it. So I want you to hear what he says in Psalm chapter 73. In fact, I'm reading this morning. I'm, I'm, we usually read, read from the ESV. I'm reading from the NIV this morning, the Nearly Inspired. It's not really what it stands for. I'm not a, anyways. It just, honestly, it reads better in this verse or in this chapter. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So he says, okay, so God, let me, you know. <laughs> no, this is, David, David does do a little sugar footing, if we're being honest. So he starts out and says, okay, God, so surely you're good. You know, surely you're good. 
Surely you're good to those who are pure in heart. Like, God, I know that's supposed to be a characteristic about you. Verse 2. But as for me, God, let me tell you what I've seen. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. And this is what he means by that. He's going to go on to explain. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He said, God, let me, let me just fess up to something real quick. I almost forgot something. There was, a, there was a thought, there was an idea that if I'm being honest, as I looked in everyday life, I almost forgot about. I almost missed this because everyday life is so much right in front of my face. I almost forgot about this. And here's what it was. I saw the wicked, and I saw the arrogant, and I saw how much they prospered. For I envied, verse 3, the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4, this is what he kind of identifies. This is what he sees. This is what you see. This is what I see. This is what I'm surprised. This is what I love about the Bible. This was written thousands of years ago. This is still so true. They have no struggles, he feels like. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous heart comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their mind have no limits. They scoff and they speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, the people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. And they say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? And I love this in verse 12, because he kind of summarizes it in, I think, a very beautifully succinct way. This is what the wicked are like. In other words, God, let me just be honest. I've seen a lot of stuff. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, and they just do the wrong thing, and they do the wrong thing, and here I am trying to do the right thing. And they're just doing the wrong thing, and doing the wrong thing, and doing the wrong thing. And it seems like no matter how much wrong they do, they just keep, you know, prospering. Their relationships grow. Their money grows. Their businesses grow. In fact, it's just terribly frustrating. Because it seems like no matter how bad they are or how poorly they behave, it's like they don't have a care in the world. And God, sometimes it's kind of like, are you paying attention? Are you there? Can you see it's coming? God, surely, if you're a just God, then why in the world would a just God continue to let this happen? And in summary, God, in verse 12, this is what it's like. This is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree, and they increase in wealth. They're always carefree, and they increase in wealth. You see, here's a common reality for us. In life... Two of the things that we desire most are to be carefree and to be rich. And for most of us, it's to be rich so that we'll be carefree. Because if you were to ask me, I would love to never have to think about my bills. In fact, I'd love to not even have bills. I'd love it if Comcast finally came to the conclusion that they're jipping everybody in the nation, you know. 
<laughs> Boy, you guys are dead silent the rest of the time. We bring up comments. It's like, amen, brother. You're speaking. I'm coming back to this church. This is unbelievable. You know, pray. We're going to have a prayer meeting afterwards. Hold hands, sing kumbaya about the whole Comcast deal. Because, you know, you sign up for $59.99. Anybody been there? Or you sign up for like $89.99. Or like you're a big timer, so you sign up for $109.99. You know, whatever it is. And then like six months later, they, well, they tell you six months later or a year later. But then like somehow a month later, it's like growing up by $20. And you're like... I thought I was on the 59 plan. Now I'm on the 79 plan. What happened to the 59 plan? Then like a week later, you're on the 89 plan. And it's like, I thought I was on the 59 plan. If I would have gotten the 89 plan, if I don't pay, wanted to pay 89, I would have gotten 89 and gotten all the you know, extra channels and HD and, you know, DIY network, anybody, you know? And so then you're looking at it, next thing you're paying $109.99. You're like, you, you know, kidding me? And I would, love, I, would, I would love to never have to worry about Comcast again, for, you know, for God to come down for heaven and say, you know what, Comcast are the evil, the wicked. You know, we're not going to, you know, I don't have a problem with individuals, but as a company as a whole, absolutely, you know. You know, Comcast, you know, they, you know, they just, I mean, the more they rip people off, the more they rip people off, you know, the higher their profits are. And so keep ripping them off, keep everyone off, you know. And so if God just said, okay, that's enough, Comcast. I'm parting the cable Red Sea. And internet is free. All the channels are free except for like Cinemax because that one's going to get weird. <laughs> but everything else, you know, every other channel, you know, it's, it's free. I'd say, God, that's phenomenal. Or if God just said, you know what, Ben, I'm just going to magically make, you know, the money to appear, you know, in your bank account every month so you don't have to pay Comcast anymore. You don't ever have to worry about your cable bill. You don't have to worry about your cell phone bill. In fact, you don't ever have to worry about your mortgage. I'm taking care of all of it. You're never going to have to pay another bill in your life. Now, let me just ask. If you never had to worry about money again, if you never had to worry about success again, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were going to have more than enough money and more than enough success, wouldn't you be a lot more worry-free? In fact, David looks at this and he says, man, they don't even, it doesn't, doesn't even look like illnesses affect them. I mean, why would they worry? They're healthy. They're strong. They got plenty of money. That's like living the dream. Are you kidding me? But they're terrible people. And God, come on, come on. Here I am trying to do the right thing. Here I am trying to be a good person. Let me, let me tell you why this matters. Because at some point, this is all good in theory, but at some point, you as a good person are going to be tempted to do the wrong thing because it's going to be an easier route. At some point, you as a person are going to be tempted to do the wrong thing because it's an easier route. You're going to be tempted to do the wrong thing because it's easier relationally to do the wrong thing. It's easier to tell a lie. It's easier to maybe like, you know, tell part of the truth but not the whole truth. You're going to be tempted to tell a lie. Because it's more profitable to tell a lie. It's easier to tell a lie. It requires less work to tell a lie. And all this good things happening to bad people and bad things happening to good people, we love to think in things that aren't ourselves. But when the rubber meets the road of our life, oftentimes you are tempted and I am tempted and we are tempted to do the wrong thing. Because we feel like if we do the wrong thing, we're going to have a better outcome. Because you've seen it in other people a long time and for a lot of different situations. And eventually, you start to think, and I start to think, 
well, maybe I can get away with it too. So David speaks to this. He said, God, verse 13, let me just finish off telling you how I feel. Surely in vain, for no reason, it's pointless, I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. And I have said I will speak thus. I would have betrayed, or if I had said I would speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. When I tried to just figure out what in the world, how in the world, come on, just inextricably related, inextricably interfacing every day with reality. God. It was oppressive. I just didn't, couldn't understand it. Till, verse 17. I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood. And this is huge. And then I understood their final destiny. Now when David says that, what David isn't really saying is, man, I hope those rich people all go to hell. This is not what he's saying. He's saying, there's this whole prosperity thing. There's all these people that are getting this stuff. But then, but then I realized, you know what? At the end of the day, there's more to life than this life. At the end of life, I realize there's a destination. At the end of life, I realize there's someone there. There's somewhere that I'm going to end up. And eventually, someday, I am going to give an account for my life. And he says this. Surely, verse 18, you place them on, on slippery ground. You cast them down into ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when you awake, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And I love how David's kind of starting to you know, launch into this thing. He's going to give the summation, what I think is you know, the, kind of the, the key verse here in a second. But David starts and it says, man, you know, really, this stuff that we see every day, this stuff that you see every day, that stuff that I see every day, you know, God, it's just going to be like you're going to wake up one morning, it's going to be gone. You're going to wake up one morning, you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to wake up one morning, you're going to be dead. You're going to wake up one morning, your health is just going to you know, really quickly deteriorate. All of us at some point in life, you know, it, it, this is a really morbid thought. I probably shouldn't say this, although it's not really a bad thought. I just was sitting there thinking. You know, I was looking at Ava. We were sitting there this morning. I didn't tell Lindsay this because it's kind of a weird thought. And I didn't plan on telling you this, but hey, I got a mic on. Why not? So I'm sitting there looking at Ava. And, I'm sitting there, and I was thinking about, honestly, I was thinking about some of you who are going through you today without a father. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? Someday she's going to wake up, and it's going to be her first Father's Day without a father. And I don't like to think about that, but some point in life, honestly, if I'm lucky, I'll outlive my kid. Or no, she'll outlive me. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the lucky part. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tragic. <laughs> Not lucky. You get what I'm saying. But the thing is, 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 is all of us, all of us, all of us, at some point, it's going to be gone. And there's a destination. Verse 22, he says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, when I was senseless and ignorant, I was as a brute, or I was a brute beast before you. Yet, yet I am always with you. 
God. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. And I love in verse 25. This is just to me, this is, the, this is the thing, this is the part, this is the verse where David's just crystal clear about why bad things happening to good people or more and more and more so good things happen to bad people. It's just such an irrelevant thought. He says, who am I or who have I in heaven but you? And earth, by the way, has nothing I desire besides you. David says, let me just be clear. It's really easy to think that everything in life revolves. Everything in life revolves around not having to worry, you know, being able to pay the bills, being healthy, being wealthy, being wise. And I mean, you know, I see all these bad people that all this stuff, you know, all this good seemingly stuff happens to them. (laughs) But God, everything in the world is meaningless is pointless, is worthless if I don't have you. In fact, you're the only thing on this earth that I desire. You're the only thing. You are my heart's desire. You are my soul's desire. You are the one thing that I have patterned my life after, David would say. And so if I have this stuff, cool. If I don't have this stuff, cool. Because God, you're the one thing. This is going to be a terrible illustration. This is how it makes sense to me. I'm a very simple person. This is kind of like, okay... So I have my daughter, Ava, right? I love her. Like, I mean, she's just the cutest little thing. She starts looking at the fan, and it goes around. Sometimes I think her, the fans, you know, she's a bigger fan of the fan than she is of her dad. But anyways, that's a little side, you know, insecurity. So as we're sitting there, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this, and it's like, okay, let's say, let's say, just, just hypothetically, this is the dumb part, just get ready. Let's say hypothetically, someone said, okay, Ben, you could have a bajillion, not a bajillion, that's a ridiculous number. Let's say you could have a million shoestrings. That's, again, that's the dumb part. That's the part where you're thinking, okay, maybe we need to go to another church next Sunday. But let's say someone said, say, Ben, you could have a million shoestrings. I would say, okay. And someone would say, okay, Ben, do you want to spend your life chasing after these million shoestrings, or do you want to spend time with your daughter? I'd be like, honestly, as long as I have two shoestrings, I'd be fine. And frankly, I went through most of middle school without them. We live in Florida. I just throw on some flip-flops. It's not a big deal. Why? Because <laughs> they're freaking shoestrings. I don't care about shoestrings. I care about my daughter. And in the same way, our focus on God, David's focus on God, and let me just tell you, it's tough. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying this is just, okay, yeah, so just don't care about stuff. Who cares? Because it's every single day in front of you and in front of me. And David, at the beginning of this, admitted to the reality that, God, I almost forgot this. God, I'm a man. David in the Bible is, is described as a man after God's own heart. And David in the Bible is saying, God, I almost forgot this because it's that easy to forget. Because every day I wake up and I see people and I see stuff. I see people and I see stuff. I see people and I see stuff. And it's hard for me to get forget that the goal of my life isn't to have more stuff than the people around me. That the goal of my life is only to get God and to have God and to have a relationship with Jesus. He says everything else is meaningless to me. And if I were to spend my entire life chasing after shoestrings and choosing shoestrings over my daughter, many 
I mean, they'd probably write a BuzzFeed article about me or something like this. The biggest idiot in the world, you know. How many times can you tie your shoes? Why? Well, it's simple. Because shoestrings are meaningless, worthless almost, compared to how much I care about her. God, I think, sits out in eternity and says, come on. You must not realize how much worth you have in me. You must not realize how valuable I am. Because if you really think that all that stuff is greater than me, let me tell you how to fix that. In fact, David said it already. He said, I almost forgot. And then I stepped into the sanctuary of God. So I almost forgot about it. But you know what jogged my memory? You know what brought me back to the realization that all this stuff is pointless, all this stuff is meaningless? As I stepped back into the sanctuary of God, and let me just tell you, your life and my life has got to be a constant process of spending time with God. Your life and my life has got to be a constant process of stepping back into the sanctuary of God. By sanctuary of God, by the way, I don't mean church. I mean you going home and on your, t- on your own time, spending time in prayer, you daily waking up and reading your Bible, you deciding that I am going to join community with people who are like-minded because I know if I'm just out there reading my Bible and praying by myself, I can still go a little wayward, and so I need to join myself in community because as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another, and I'm getting a little dull, or I know if I spend too much time out of community, then I'm going to get a little dull. And so I'm going to join a community group because I know that part of my life has to be constantly stepping back into the sanctuary of God because if I don't, it's too easy to forget. Because everything in life, let me just tell you, this isn't like, you know, anti-culture, anything. It's just the reality. Everything in life draws us away from this idea. Everything in life draws us away from this idea. I felt it this week. This week, as many of you know, you know church isn't my, isn't my nine to five, pay the bills job. I run a meat company. It's called Registers Meat Company. Register smoked pork sausage. You know, you should buy some so you can pay my mortgage. So I don't have to worry, you know. So this week, I, um, I find myself from time to time in meetings that I shouldn't be in. And I don't mean that like I'm like a weird creeper and I, you know, show up in meetings. I mean, just like, honestly, stuff that's over my head, stuff that I'm like, I don't know. You guys are way older, way smarter, way richer, way more informed, way more educated than I am. And so I'm ending up uh, this week, you know, drive down to Lakeland. It was Thursday. We had a meeting. And I set it up. We got some, you know, a little bit of product, some bacon that we're trying to get back on the shelf. And we're trying to, you know, improve and this and that. And so I call this guy that we know that we've met through, you know, a network of people. And so we're, we're talking about them potentially making our bacon for us. And, and as, uh, you know, we're having a conversation. He says, well, I really want this other guy. He's, you know, the, the, this is, you know, I'm talking to the CEO of one company. And he says, you know, I really want to invite the CEO of this other company to come and be a part. We're going to meet in Lakeland and have, you know, you know, lunch at Cracker Barrel, basically. And so I'm thinking, oh, sweet, man, I love apple butter. Let's roll. So we go to this company, or we go to this, this thing in, in Lakeland, and I'm, you know, kind of the one in charge of, like, doing all the background, doing all the research, doing all the negotiating for this deal and to kind of start hashing out some details. And as we're sitting there, I'm sitting there talking to these guys. And so it's, it's myself on one side and my dad on, you know, right next to me. And on the other side is the guy who owns the company who makes all the b- bacon for all of Bush's baked beans in the world. 
The next to him is the guy who owns that company. It's kind of like Shaq is rich, but the guy who pays Shaq is wealthy, you know? This guy is a CEO of a company who, like, in 2012, passed a billion dollars in revenue. I'm like, can I get, like, five bucks, you know? It's one of those guys. You're just like, so you're like what? <laughs> like, like, that's inconceivable. Like, you, like, over a million dollars, you know, he's telling all these stories about this crazy stuff. And as we're sitting there, we're at Cracker Bell, and he, honestly, and he's a nice dude. Not, this is not like, you know, oh, they're negative, they're worldly, you know? I mean, these dudes, the, the, the guy who's a CEO, you know, billion-dollar revenue company, he goes to a church. In fact, he goes to a church in a high school. It's a non-denominational community church. I'm like, man. You know, you're ever looking for a place to tithe, holler at us, you know? <laughs> and so as, you know, we're, we're sitting there talking about this stuff, and he starts showing me. He's like, oh, man, you got to see this. He's, he's, he's a really cool, really crazy, not what you'd think in a corporate sense of, of a CEO. He's like, man, you got to see this thing. So he pulls out his, his, uh, his phone. And he's kind of a crazy guy. And it's probably what makes him good at what he does. He's a million miles an hour, full of energy. And he pulls out his phone and shows me this video where... He decided in his house, his, his, his land, not his landlord, his, you know, uh, uh, realtor thought, you know, this is just so stupid. You're going to ruin the property by your house. He thought, who cares? We're just going to have fun. He went to Chick-fil-A and talked to the Chick-fil-A people and said, who makes your slides? And they said, well, we have no freaking clue, you know? I mean, who knows who makes the slides? So he says, well, call your maintenance people. Let me find out who makes your slides. So they call the maintenance people, find out who makes the slide. Long story short is this dude has a freaking Chick-fil-A slide put into his house so his kids can get from the second floor to the first floor that loops around, and they had to make an extra long, like, little runway because the slide was such an aggressive slide, which I love the fact that he had an aggressive slide, that one time they had a kid go through the drywall. So they're like, okay, let's make a little bit more of a pitch at the bottom of this thing. And and I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I know we have a one-story house, but at some point we're going to have a two-story house, and at some point we have to have a slide. Like, that would be like the coolest, can you imagine if you were a kid, it's like dinner time, kids, you, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, I have the coolest parents in the world, this is unbelievable. And there's something, and and that's kind of like a funny example, but there's something inside me that walks away from that, like, dude, what do I have to get to be at the point in life where I can have a slide inside of my house, just, you know, completely rail the property value of my house, but who cares, we got a slide, you know? I'm sitting there thinking that. I don't care what Lindsay thinks, we'll just cut a hole and start doing it, and we'll find out, you know? Father's Day. But it's funny because then every Friday I go to lunch or I go to breakfast with William and we're sitting there talking about it. And I was telling him about this psalm. And I was like, man, this psalm is just so significant to me. Because lately I've been in some situations where, again, I'm just way over my head with people that are way above my pay grade. In the last two weeks in a row, I mean, just, you know, talked with multiple CEOs of multiple companies that, you know, just do millions and millions of dollars in revenue. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here saying, God, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget that all this stuff is pointless. Not pointless, all this stuff is meaningless if I don't have you. By the way, we're not that rich. In fact, we have like a little one-story house. It's like, you know, kind of like a little brick house type thing. So don't ask for money afterwards. We don't have it. But all this stuff, all this stuff, that you see every day, that I see every day, and that we can have a tendency, honestly, to buy into the American dream of more, 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 easier, 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 stress-free, 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 worry-free, 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 and we can spend our entire lives chasing after shoestrings when we have the Son of God who has called us 
into a relationship with him who has not just called us like, hey, you got to do it, but has honestly invited us into a relationship with him. Who said, by the way, you don't have to stand in front of me on your own accord. You don't have to stand in front of me on your own good works. How I want you to stand in front of me is to come to the realization that you're not good enough, that you're a sinful person, that you've messed up, and you've messed up, and I've messed up, and we've all messed up, and we're all sinful. And because of that, I'm incompatible with a holy God who is holy and pure and righteous and just and good and big and smart and strong in everything and anything that I will ever want to be and will probably never be. And because of my sinfulness and His holiness, we are incompatible. And He sent His Son, His one and only Son, Jesus, to the earth to die, to pay for all of the sins that I will ever commit. And said, I don't want you, by the way, from now on to chase after me because I have to, because you have to, and I'm a dictator of a God. This is not a dictatorship. I'm not forcing you to. As your heavenly father, I'm inviting you to. I'm inviting you to spend the rest of your life in a relationship with me. I'm inviting you to spend the rest of your life with purpose. I'm inviting you to spend the rest of your life chasing the only thing that when your life ends will matter. And I know it's easy to see this stuff in front of you. But I'm going to invite you into a story that's much, much, much bigger than that. So here's what I want you to do with today's message. For some of you, I just want you to take whatever steps necessary for you to daily enter into the sanctuary of God, enter into the presence of God, because daily, we get distracted and think that everything else matters. And so I just want you, I just want you, whether you need to start praying, carving time out of your day intentionally to pray, whether it's for you reading, if you don't have anywhere to start reading, let me just make a suggestion. You should start reading the book of John so in the New Testament, it's the story, it's one of the four stories of Jesus' life. Read a chapter a day. Read a chapter, read three chapters a week, it'll start to change your life, I promise. For you, maybe, it's joining a community group. For you, maybe, it's getting an accountability partner. I mean, it could be a thousand different things. But if you're in here and you're a Christian, you've given your life to Christ, and you aren't currently daily going into the sanctuary of God, then you and I are going to, on every front, have a tendency to forget that that's the only thing that matters. So whatever it is for you, we're going to pray in a second, and I'm just simply going to pray that God gives you the wisdom to know what it is to do, and the courage to do it. The wisdom to know what to do, and the courage to not just sit here and say, oh yeah, I know what to do, <laughs> but to do it. And if you're in here and you're not a Christian, 
Maybe you've been on the fence about Christianity. Maybe, maybe you grew up in church your entire life, but it's never really your faith. Or maybe, you know, you're here for the first time in a church environment. The message is clear and the message is simple. It's that God gave his one and only son to invite you into a relationship with him that you don't have to perform, you don't have to behave, you don't have to be a good person, but that you get to spend the rest of your life following after him. And the funny thing is, is when you're inspired to pursue God as opposed to compelled by this dictator to try to be better, God starts giving you the strength and the power to be the person that you never thought you could be, to do the things you never thought you could do, to stop doing the things that you never thought you could quit, but not because you decided to, because you daily started going into the presence of God. And so if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to when we pray here in a second. And I'm just going to invite you to pray a prayer that does nothing more, that does nothing more then just simply acknowledges what's already going on in your heart and mind. 